Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from His letter that He wrote to us. Hello, God bless you, and welcome into the Bible study today. We're going to be picking it up in Genesis chapter 26, uh, verse 1. But before we do that, I just want to touch on a couple of things, do a little recap. We're going to start off in Romans chapter 9, verse 9, if you want to be turning there, if you follow along in your Bible. Now, Jacob and Esau are, you know, kind of a classic story. Everybody really gives Jacob a whole lot of flack for they say he cheated Esau out of his birthright. But really what it covers is basically God's called or is is chosen, his elect. And before we get into Genesis, I just want to cover a few verses over here in Romans. Romans chapter 9, verse 9. We ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. And verse 9 reads, For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this... But when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, verse 11, for the children being not yet born, neither having done anything good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. Before they were even born, before they could have done anything in the flesh, He told her that the elder was going to serve the younger. Verse 13. And it's written, Jacob I've loved, but Esau I hated. Verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. So how could he hate somebody if there's unrighteousness? Verse 15. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on who I will have compassion. Verse 16, So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. So what is this saying? It's saying that God's going to choose who he's going to choose, and he has a purpose in all things. So he has this set of those, like Jacob, who he can trust that will carry on the lineage, that will carry on the word. Because, you see, now the birthright, as we spoke of before, that Esau didn't care about his birthright, the birthright now is of salvation. And it's our duty to accept that salvation and be engrafted into the family of God, spiritually. Now, we're all God's children, but it's our job to believe upon Christ accept him as our savior, and then receive that eternal life. Now, where this says, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated, that comes from Malachi verse one, uh, chapter 1. Let's move over there just for a second. Let's touch on that. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. It's a little short book. It's just before Matthew. Malachi... Chapter 1, verse 1. The burden of the Lord 
uh, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. This word burden uh, is used a lot, and usually what it means is the prophecy or the oracle. So it's just, it's this is what's going to happen. Verse 2, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet you say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Saith the Lord, Let I, yet I love Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. <clears throat> Verse 4, whereas Edom saith, now don't get confused here. You remember in the last lecture, Esau was born and his name was Esau because he was hairy. And then he sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of red lentils, red pottage. And his name was changed to Esau because that means red. And God said that there were two nations in Sarah's in Rebekah's womb. So this is, this is following Esau here now. So Edom is just his other name. Verse 4, Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And verse 5, And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. So why is it that he would have such indignation against Esau? Why would he hate an unborn child? It all goes back to the first eon, that first world age, if you will, when Satan was a cherubim that covered, when all was right, and then whenever Satan fell, when his pride rose up, and he decided that he should be God, and he should show himself he was God back then. And whenever he led a rebellion, some folks didn't care about the birthright. They decided, I like this new guy. I think we'll follow him. Or maybe they just didn't care at all. You know, there was a third that followed Satan. And then there was a third that, could care less, and then there was another third that was kind of on the fence, you know, maybe maybe we like God a little too much, Did, you know, I mean, not maybe too much, but maybe we like God a little more than we like this dude, so we're kind of leaning this way, but then there was that few that stood strong, that God could trust, and he knows he can trust them, and those are the, 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 they're the remnant in the Bible that we read about. They're the prophets. They're those who, the patriarchs, who God could trust to carry on the gene line. And I know I talk a lot about genealogies and everything, but in the Word of God, they're very, very important. And that's basically what we're reading about, is the line of one family from Adam to Christ and the people that interacted with them. <clears throat> Not necessarily a world history, but that history of this family. So then, he could trust those few, but then why would he hate some others? Those others were hated because, you know, they, they fell by the wayside in the first, the first age, when we were all in our spiritual bodies. Now, it, if that's kind of a little deep, you know, that's all right. Uh, our the lecture on Genesis 
chapter one, uh, it, it pretty well covers that. And so if you need to, you can go back and listen to it. So moving on, we're going to get into Genesis 26 now. And we're going to be picking it up in verse one. All right. Genesis chapter 26, verse one. And there was a famine in the land, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Now, this word Abimelech is not a specific name. It's basically like saying Pharaoh in Egypt or uh, king in England. You know, it's just the ruler. And what it means is father of the king or the king. Verse 2. And the Lord appeared upon him, uh, uh, unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. So instead of like Abraham went on down into Egypt, you know, just hold up here. Verse 3, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. For unto thee, unto thy seed, I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. So he's reaffirming this oath to Isaac, because if you remember, he gave this promise to Abraham that your seed will be greater than the stars of heaven and of the sands of the sea. And then Abraham got a little impatient, and he had Ishmael with with Hagar. And so God's reaffirming this covenant with Isaac, and he's saying, you know, through you, because you are Sarah's child, the one who I did promise this to, this land will be yours. Now, Ishmael still was blessed. You know, the, the promise still came through of Ishmael that he had many, many sons. His, his seed multiplied tremendously. But this land is specifically for Isaac. Verse 4, And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, how is that possible that all the nations of the earth would be blessed? Naturally, through Christ, because through Isaac's seed would come the Christ child. Verse 5. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, because he was obedient to me. That's why Abraham had this blessing. Verse 6, And Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked him of his wife. And he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say she is my wife. Lest said he, The men of this place should kill me for Rebekah, because she is fair to look upon. Now, this might be, you know, kind of hard for some to understand. We're looking at probably around 200 years from when Abraham was there. You remember Abraham was a hundred when Isaac was born, and it was just before that that he came from from Gerar, and now Isaac is approximately eighty four years old. And so at this time, uh, the the Abimelechs, okay, the kings of this area, would they they had what you would call a harem, okay, and they they would take the most beautiful women of the country or in the area, and put them in their harem. And with Rebecca being so beautiful, he feared that, you know, maybe they wouldn't, he, he didn't know their ideologies, he didn't know their beliefs, 
And so he didn't naturally want to put them in danger, and he trusted Rebecca enough to know that she wouldn't allow herself to be taken by another man. So he decided, as Abraham did, his dad, to pretend that she was his sister, to kind of protect both of them. In case things went for the worse, you know, she would just kind of be taken in and, and be, you know, a, a pretty lady in the court. But she wouldn't let it go any farther than that. Verse 8, And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech the king, the king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah. Now, <clears throat> this sporting, that, that, that would be, he was courting her, he was, he was caressing her, you know, he, he was hugging her, and, and not the way a brother would hug a sister. Verse 9, And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety she is thy wife, and how saddest thou she is my sister? And Isaac said, to him, said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. Verse 10, And Abimelech said, What is this thou hast done to us? One of the people might lightly have lain with, it, lain with thy wife, and now shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. Now, that kind of shows the character of the folks. You know, they, they, don't want, they don't want this to happen. You know, they, they, they want a clear conscience. And two, as I said, it's only been about 200 years, so this Abimelech could very well be remembering the first time when Abraham and Sarah went in, and everybody was pretty well cursed for a little bit whenever Sarah was taken in as 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 a uh, as Abimelech of that time was courting her and God shut up all the wombs and and pretty well made it miserable on them until Abraham came and and prayed for him and got everything cleared back up so they they're probably thinking you know hey y'all have come down here once before and and pulled this little trick and got us all in a in a in a hurt. We don't want this. What would you do that for? Verse eleven. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, "He that touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death." He's serious about it. He he don't want that curse again. Verse twelve. Then Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. <clears throat> and the men waxed great. And went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks, a possession of herds, a great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. So pretty much he was out there and God was blessing him greatly, above average, way above average. And then the Philistines are working probably just as hard as he is, but they're not getting the the blessings that he's getting. They're not getting the increase that he's getting. God's preparing a nation in Isaac. And so the Philistines are looking over and seeing this, and they're getting a little jealous. You know, why is he, he's in our land, he's taking up our resources, and he's getting blessed like this. He's just, man, he's hogging it all. You know, where's the, where's ours? <clears throat> Verse 15. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled with and filled them with earth. Now, in this part of the of of the world, water is vital. If you don't have water, you don't have life. It is a definite necessity. It don't take long to whenever you run out of water. It don't take long for you to to just dry up and and die over here. 
So whenever they did this, what they were doing was doing, they were trying to move him out of the way. And, you know, many, it's just, what this is, is, is Abraham's son. So surely he, you know, him or his servants, they knew where these wells were. Verse 16, and Abimelech said unto Isaac, go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And he might've been getting a little scared. You know, maybe he's fixing to come in here and grow up so big, he's going to overthrow this little kingdom here. Verse 17, and Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley, in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And it's a, quite a ways out of the city. And Isaac digged again wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. So he redug he these same water wells and called them the same things that Abraham had before. And this is roughly 40 years after Abraham's death. So naturally, Isaac's going to know where they were. <clears throat> Verse 19, And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strife with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. Now they, they're, you know, he had every, every right to it. But, and he called the name of the, of the well Esek, because they strove with him. And naturally, Esek means strive or, or condition, uh, contention. Verse 21, and they digged another well and strove that for that also. And he dig and he called the name of it Sitna. And Sitna means opposition in the Hebrew. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And Rehoboth means roominess. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. Now, Beersheba, if you remember, is the well of the oath. That's when, uh, in Genesis chapter 21, is when God made the oath with Abraham, and he dug a well, and he found water there, and said, this is the, the, the well of the earth. It's when, before when Abimelech was basically striving with Abraham, they came out and... Uh, the men had had covered up some spots, uh, just like they did with Isaac here. And Abimelech came out and was like, "Hey, you know, hey, let's make a deal. You know, you're you're a big dude. You know, as far as flocks and everything, you're very wealthy. You're a very prosperous guy. Let's make a deal here, and you know, let's just settle all the, all disagreements." Um, and Abraham came out and said, "Well, you know, here's this certain amount of of." flocks that I have, you know, there here's seven uh, head of cattle here to show you that I did did this well. I know your folks are saying I didn't, but I did. And they cleared everything up, and at that point, that's where this well of the oath came through. Verse 23, and he went from there, oh, got that? Verse 24, and the Lord appeared unto him that same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bless thee, and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. So he still, God never forgets a promise, and he always comes through. 
And he builded an altar there, and called upon the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged the well. Now, what happened? God appeared to him, and the first thing he did was built an altar to praise God. He's faithful just like Abraham was. Verse 26. Then, Abraham, uh, then Abimelech went to him from Gerar, and Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the chief captain of his, of his army. And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? Why, why are you coming out here? You already sent me, you, you pretty well banished me from your city. You know, he was getting blessed too much. They were getting jealous of him. You sent me out, but now why in the world are you coming out here to talk to me? Verse 28. And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said, Let there be now an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee. Kind of the same deal that they were doing with Abraham. Pretty well the exact same thing that they did with Abraham. As it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, that there is nothing new under the sun. And this is definitely a learning experience here to pay attention to that what comes around goes around. It's going to be, history repeats itself. Let me, let me put that a little different. True history repeats itself. Now, you can sugarcoat history to where it won't line up, but if you study true history, it always repeats itself, and that's how we learn. Verse 29, that thou will do us no hurt as we have not touched thee. Now, this is very, very close to what they said with Abraham. And as we have done unto thee nothing but good and have sent thee away in peace, thou art now blessed of the Lord. Now, you're kind of stretching it a little bit here. They sent him away with peace, but they also covered his wells to where he couldn't survive. So, yeah, they, yeah, they, were, they were a happy bunch when he left. Verse 30, and he made them a feast, and they did eat and drink. That shows how, how merciful, how, you know, he was definitely not looking for a fight. Isaac was like Abraham. They knew, hey, we all got to get along. We're all out here in the middle of this. We're all just trying to make it. Let's just be friends. It's better to be at peace than it is to be at war. Verse 31, and they rose up betimes in the morning, and swear one to another. And Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well that they had digged, and said unto him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. And naturally, Sheba means an oath. <clears throat> so, I mean, it's almost an identical story as what it was with his dad, with his father, Abraham. Verse 34. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beri, of Beri the Hittite, and Beshemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. Now, the what? He took in a Hittite. They weren't supposed to do that, right? This is showing again that Esau could care less about his birthright. He didn't care anything about the will of God. Hittites were not of the Edemic line. 
And so the those who the the children of Abraham, the children of Isaac, were not supposed to to intermingle with any other families other than those who were of the Adamic bloodline. <clears throat> Verse 35. Which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and Rebekah. Now, why would that be a grief of mind to them? It's because this naturally set him out of the line of blessing. So, even if, even though he sold his birthright, he could have still stayed in this line. See, that's why it was so important to Abraham for his servant to go and find someone of his family, because he didn't want Isaac intermingling with those who were in this area or in the area of the promised land at the time and in, 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 with the Canaanites because of the, the second influx of the fallen angels, basically. Is what, you, what you find in Genesis chapter 6 where the fallen angels came down and found the beauty of the daughters of man, that man being Etcha Adam, the, the daughters of this Edemic line. So Satan is doing his best to get rid of this line to where Christ can't come because he knows God's plan. And don't forget that. Satan's not dumb. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 28. Satan was the full package. He was full of both beauty and wisdom. He is a sharp dude. You don't ever want to let your guard down on him. And so he understands. He knows. You know, he's constantly watching. He's trying to win this thing. He's not going to. If you read the back of the book, he, he, he's already, he's not going to win. But he's trying his best to. So whenever Adam was created, whenever Adam was formed, and Satan was paying attention, he saw, hey, you know, God told him not to do this, and he's instructing him to do this, so, you know, maybe this dude right here, maybe that's where the Christ child's going to come through. Maybe it's that line. So he went and jacked with Eve. And he got her to to fall, and and she, you know, they they all her and her and Adam fell together, and so he thought, oh man, I got it, I got it here. So now this must be the child. This must this this is the line. So let me get my little minions over here. Those fallen angels, those that are uh, called the raphium. You see that in the Hebrew, and what that is 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 the fallen. Those who are they're not named, but they are bound and they are destined to die. So, and let me get those down here and, and we'll start infiltrating this line and we'll just, we'll breed them out. That's, that's what we'll do. So then Genesis chapter 6 comes along and the flood happens. Okay, they, because all these raphium have come down, these fallen angels have come down and they're they're breeding out this this line and the only pure generation the only the, the only pure line left was Noah <clears throat> and God looked upon Noah and his family and he had grace on him he had mercy on him and he saved them and two of every flesh now don't forget that two of every flesh and we're all flesh so then after this Noah happened and everything then the lines start going they start parting they start you know doing what family trees do and branching out and he pays attention and he sees Hey, Abraham's chosen. So now we've got to infiltrate this line. And Abraham's called out from his family all by himself down here to Canaan, which is soon to be the promised land. So being the sharp dude that he is, he starts putting all this second influx. That's where Goliath 
and uh, Og and all these other giants of this era come from is this second influx. He puts them in here and he goes, all right, let's rush this place so that whenever they come down here, we can just go ahead and breed them out. And what happens? Oh, Esau here. Oh, just the worldly man, the man that lives in the world and, and don't care anything about the eternal. He just falls right into it and takes off with this Hittite. <clears throat> but Jacob stays true. All right, chapter 7, chapter 27, we'll get into it just a little bit here. And verse 1, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here I am. Here am I. Verse 2, And he said, Behold now, I am old, and know not the day of my death. Now therefore, take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison. Venison. Now, you see, Isaac favored Esau. He was a hunter, you know, he was a manly man, and, and, and you know, he's just, he was firstborn, you know, dad's pride and joy. Although Isaac also didn't know, it's apparent through what we're going to get into, he didn't know of the agreement between Isaac, uh, Esau and Jacob that Esau sold his birthright. So he's still, he's still real proud of him. Even though he married, you know, the, the Hittites and he's doing his thing, he's still very proud of him. Verse 4, And make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may be blessed before I die. Well, he, he must have been a good cook. You know, his dad, he, Isaac really wanted him some good venison before he, before he went on. He wanted that last meal. Verse 5, And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau, uh, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and bring it, and to bring it. Verse 6, And Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother. Now, what is this saying? You see, they're calling Esau Isaac's son and Jacob her son. So what this is showing is that, you know, Isaac favored Esau, but Rebekah favored Jacob. And what you got to remember is God promised Rebekah, the elder shall serve the younger. So here she is, she's leaning on that promise. She is, she is having faith in that and trusting in God. Verse 7, bring me, bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee. And bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Verse 9. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for my father, such as he loveth. For thy father, excuse me. So, naturally, Rebecca, and, uh, she knows what Isaac wants. You know, she, she understands, she knows his taste in food. And she knows how to make him a good dinner. And she knows exactly the way he likes it seasoned and everything, just you know, just like any married couple would. Verse 10. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will fill me, and I shall seem to him a deceiver, 
and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. Verse 13, and we'll, we'll stop here. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be the curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch them. So what she's saying is she knows that God promised that he was to be the one to receive the birthright. And being that she favored him so much and they're, they're trusting each other so much, one could imagine that he probably told her of the agreement between him and Esau. So what she's doing is acting on faith here and following God's word and saying, if anything were to happen, put it on me. But she's stepping out and doing this. God bless y'all. We will pick it up here in the next study. Everybody have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, you can go to our website at www.humansundergrace.com and under the Contact Us page, submit your question. Also, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691. Thank you, and God bless you.